advice if you've got those very dark feelings what should people do spit out expose go and ask for help there's heaps of information on the website go to your doctor go to your gp you know speak up or even call cancer council mm, 13 11 20 that's right you know and they will ask you questions their staff is very well trained and will refer you to the clinician that you you can get the help. Look, thank you so much, Teresa. And I, I, I come now uh, to our clinical nurse consultant. Michelle, can you introduce yourself and, uh, and, and tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, Julie, I'm Michelle. I work at Liverpool Hospital in the Cancer Therapy Centre and I'm obsessed with radiotherapy. <laughs> I am. Um, so I'm the clinical nurse consultant in radiotherapy, so all things radiotherapy, I'm your woman. And we're going to have a, a whole video in this series uh, which is looking at innovations to help people who've uh, experienced head and neck cancer, a whole program that's just on radiation therapy. But today we're focusing on managing distress and I think I'd like to hear from you about the pre-treatment clinic you have and what you do there that particularly goes to the question of finding out if someone might need emotional support. Okay, so we have a clinic at my place at Liverpool and it's called the Head and Neck Pretreatment Clinic. No doctors allowed. So a patient has to meet a certain criteria and our care coordinators our, or our cancer care coordinators or our doctors might highlight that this person is appropriate for our head and neck pretreatment clinic. And the people involved in that are a speech therapist, a dietitian, a social worker, and me. If they're a surgical patient, they'll see our head and neck clinical nurse consultant. And one of us will phone that patient, invite them along to an appointment with us. And we make it quite clear that doctors are not involved in this appointment. And it's just the foundations of that clinic are to provide education and support for a patient before they start their treatment. And the hope of that is, forearmed is forewarned, education, the patient has an understanding, somewhat of an understanding on what's going to happen throughout their treatment. And is it in a way the beginning of a relationship with the nursing and allied health team? Just as a, a patient myself seven years ago, the, the nurse in particular played a, she was almost like an air traffic controller, you know, that all the team were aeroplanes and she'd land the right plane for me when I needed it. So is it the beginning of a relationship? That's a beautiful way to put it because until we've spoken about that and, and until you've said that, it actually exactly, it's exactly what it is. Because if a patient's had started their treatment or and they see a social worker, like they're, they're in the treatment mode. If we can do that beforehand, hopefully it gives the patient some confidence, some education and some understanding of what we're there for and who they can contact 
if they've got a problem. And do you give them a telephone number? Yep, so all of us give them a con our own contact numbers. So they may walk out of that appointment with four contact numbers. And I'm one of the last speakers to go in and meet. We do it individually. And I'm one of the last people that go in. And, and I acknowledge that potentially that person and their support person may be quite overwhelmed. So my whole role there is to get to know you and say, hey, listen, this is who I am. And based on, you get a feeling for what, if they want to know a lot of information or if they go, you know what, too much, I need to go. Yeah. Who are you gonna call? Call me. I may not have every single answer for that person. I may not have been in there when the social worker was talking to them, but I know how to get in contact with these people. So I can traffic control. Your point of contact. The, the other uh, uh, message I think that came through very strongly from some of those patients we saw at the beginning of this video was a cry for peer support, uh, a chance to be part of a support group. And, I, and we've already heard from uh, Dr. Ben Britton, the clinical psychologist, that not, e not everybody wants a group. Some people prefer their privacy. But at Liverpool Hospital, over about seven or eight years, for quite a bit of the time, there has been a support group. Just to get in a nutshell, tell us what sort of things do you do at the support group and how do you think it helps people? So the Head and Neck support group was already established when I came to work at Liverpool about six years ago. And the philosophy of the support group is just to be there for each other. So any patient, whether they have just been diagnosed during their treatment or they're five years after treatment, they can come along, we have at the same time every month, and we have some people working behind the scenes that send out 300 letters every couple of months. It's amazing what happens behind the scenes. And we have education sessions of the new advances in treatment. And sometimes I say to my patients, you've passed your treatment, but we still have these radiotherapy, and they go, we just want to know what's going on. Like, it's really interesting. So patients, no matter what stage they are along their journey, their treatment, their survivorship phase, they come, they touch base with each other. One of our patients thinks he's a, a chef, he'll make food. So we have a, a, the formal session of the day where it's education, we have an invited speaker. And then we have the social part where the patients just sit around. And one of the speakers earlier today mentioned that tips and tricks, we've actually produced a tips and tricks based on the feedback from our, our group, what got them through. Yeah, so sort of advice from fellow patients. Yeah, yeah. Look, at my, thank you so much for that. And, and I have attended that yes, uh, support group as a speaker and, uh, and I, I was, um, I was very moved to be with my peers. Uh, I, it, there is something about being with people who've been through the same challenge, difficulties. It, it's very, very special. It's very, very comforting. But just our last thing is, I, uh, one of your passions, as I understand it, is the training of, of nurses 
to particularly understand head and neck cancer patients and to have specialist head and neck cancer nurses. And I think we're aware that there are specialist breast cancer nurses. I think the, the gentlemen who have prostate cancer, we've got now uh, uh, well over 40 prostate cancer nurses nationally. What's your dream? If I, if I came back in five years' time, what's the dream for you with, with specialist head and neck cancer nurses? It is my dream to have specialist head and neck cancer nurses. Our speakers this morning, and I think Ben said, um, it's so visible. If somebody's had a laryngectomy and they're breathing through a hole in their neck, you can't hide that. If somebody's had a big graft over their face, you can't hide that. A lot of other cancer sites, you can hide it. And you can walk down the street and nobody knows. Our head and neck cancer population, particularly during their treatment and just after, it's so obvious. Um, eating and drinking is so social. Come to my place and the first thing I say is, what do you want to drink? Some of these people can't eat and drink, so they're relying on a peg tube. Just explain a peg tube, because it hasn't been mentioned, yeah. A tube which goes into your belly to help you feed because of your reactions or your treatment, you can, or your surgery, you can't swallow food at the moment. Um, mostly it will improve. Sometimes people have feeding tubes for the rest of their life. But eating and drinking and talking, it is such a social thing. And for a head and neck cancer patient, that is so impacted. Six year, I, I used to say you can pick a head and neck cancer patient a mile off because they'll always have a bottle of water if um, their saliva is an issue. So to have head and neck cancer nurses that are trained in that, that can not walk with the patient, that, that I don't mean that to be contrite, but to educate and support and tips and tricks and understand that I believe personally that the head and neck population, they're extremely complex, lots of issues. Hence why we have our head and neck support group and why you're here doing everything. Thank you so much. Michelle, and thank you so much, Teresa. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about your work at Liverpool Hospital.